I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 to 13. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and the bread for the eater, so is my word that it goes out from my mouth but will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn brush will grow the juniper, and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. So now I am going to release the kids to Sunday school. And it's just the younger class going this way because the other room is closed. Sorry. Okay. So younger kids that way with Miss Denise. Yay. So we're continuing our series in the Gospel of John. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, feel free to turn to John chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, there are a number in the back. Feel free to go grab one of those. And uh, you can use it for today or you can take it with you um, as well. Uh, those are there for, for you to use. So the last weekend, a couple of our young people from our church were at a retreat at Cape and Ray. And um, I am planning on taking a bunch of uh, homeschool kids to Cape and Ray here shortly in a couple of weeks. And uh, one, of the, one of the activities that they have there is called the Screamer. The Screamer is this uh, very cool event that gives kids an opportunity to stretch themselves out of their own comfort zone and to put their trust in something and someone outside of themselves. It starts off putting on a harness and a helmet. Now you know when you're putting on a harness and a helmet, things are going to get serious. Uh, we're not fooling around. So everybody that, that's getting ready to go up gets uh, uh, put into one of these harnesses. It's all strapped up. It's the full chest harness and sit harness roped in. And then you start off on this ladder and start crawling up this ladder. And you climb a little bit higher onto this big old BC Hydro cement hole that has these rungs and you start climbing a little bit higher and a little bit higher and a little bit higher until you get to the very top of a 40 foot 
BC Hydro Pole. And then they ask you to do this. You got it. You got it. Right foot to the top. No, hang on to the pole and then right foot. Can I stop? I can't. You can stop for a second. Yeah. Oh, so close. There you go. Yes, yes, yes. Good one. Nice. Oh, God. Okay, eyes on the trapeze bar. Big jump and grab it. Cheers. Oh, so close. <laughs> For a lot of kids, looking at this pole, this is an impossible task there's no way that they would be able to to climb to the top of that let alone jump off having done it let me tell you it is pretty intimidating being up at the top of that pole and then having to actually put foot and stand up right on top of that pole even though you know that it's all there all those things, the safety stuff is there to protect you. It still is an incredibly intimidating activity. There's a few nodding heads around people that have been at the top of the screamer. Um, it is quite a place to be. Um, we face all kinds of impossible tasks in our lives. Each one of us uh, has, has had or, or is having uh, moments in our lives where there is something that you're facing that just seems completely unattainable. Uh, like you're never going to be able to deal with this. Maybe it is uh, a broken relationship. Issues in your, in your marriage that have, that have taken the two of you in a direction that you never thought that you would get into. And, and the, the, the walls that give, build up over time just seem so insurmountable uh, that there's never going to be a, a path through this. Maybe for you it was facing the loss of a loved one. Going through that, that terrible pain of, of being alone. Uh, that, that person that's had such an important part in your life and they're no longer there and you have to try and face life without them? It's impossible. I know for, for me, there have been a number of times when I've faced unemployment, when I've lost a job and suddenly the future is very uncertain. And you don't know how you are going to, uh, to make ends meet from, from one moment to the next. And, and the, the challenges that are out there, the workforce just seems so limited and you just don't know where you're going to go and it just seems overwhelming. I know there are people that deal with things like uh, mental health issues where anxiety, depression... Those kinds of things have such a grip on your life that you just can't imagine life being free from that. We have these impossible tasks in front of us. What do we do? Uh, this story here in, in John chapter 6, um, for me, brings great hope. Because Jesus is a master at dealing with the impossible. 
We're going to read at uh, starting from verse 15 in John chapter 6. You remember last week we were talking about Steve was presenting for us and we were talking about this amazing miracle miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, how Jesus and His disciples were up in a lonely place far away from all of the cities and people were flocking to Him and suddenly He looked out and saw all of these people and realized there was nothing for them to eat. And He asked His disciples, what do we got? And he does this amazing miracle that tests his disciples' faith and and is able to feed this throng of 5,000 men, likely at least 10,000 or more people uh, that were there on the the side of the mountain. And, And Jesus does this amazing miracle. And we pick that up at verse 15. It says that, Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force, To make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountains by himself. Always amazed at how Jesus, when there is, when things seem to be going in his ministry the way that that you would think you wanted it, the popularity was starting to grow. Uh, There was a a, a swell of support for him. Uh, uh, People were being touched. And Jesus goes away and runs away from all of that. He, he separates himself and, and he has some very distinct ideas about what it is that God had sent him to do. And so here again, Jesus withdrew up into the mountain by himself, shunning the crowd, putting them aside. Continuing reading, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. They got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It's I. Don't be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Such a small account for such an amazing event. You know this was a significant event in in the lives of the disciples because all four Gospels record this miracle of Jesus of walking on the water. And, and rightly so. This is an impossible task. <laughs> Just, it's a given, right? Nobody walks on water. And yet Jesus shows that He is Lord over all of creation by, a, by being able to suspend whatever natural laws that there are that keep a person from walking on water, and He was able to traverse across that lake to where the disciples were and to join them there in the boat. An impossible thing, and yet Jesus is able to accomplish that. All of these impossible tasks that we're facing in our lives. With Jesus, we never have to be concerned 
Don't have to be concerned about all of the logical reasons of why I can never get out of this circumstance or situation. Because Jesus goes above and beyond anything, any limitations that would hold anybody else back from being able to accomplish these very things. It is an amazing thing. the Sea of Galilee, uh, it's actually just kind of coincidental. Yesterday, uh, uh, Dad and I were on the, on the way in the, on the road, and uh, he opened up one of the, the messages from the, ch- the church down in the desert where they go to during the winter, and we're listening to it, and they were talking about the Sea of Galilee and the storms that happened there on the, on the Sea of Galilee. It's just a, a little lake, really. I don't know why they call it a sea, uh, but it's just a little lake. Okay, it's a big lake, but it's about, uh, what, 13 miles lengthways and about 8 miles across. Um, so it's not a huge lake. There's bigger lakes. Um, but often there seems to be these storms that come up on there. And I tried to find a, uh, a video clip of, of some of the weather that happens there on the, uh, on the Sea of Galilee. And I found this clip. This one. Here we go. See if it's going to go. Nope. Let me try. This was... Sometimes when we read the Bible stories, that's what we think of. That, that wasn't the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> but that's what's in my mind, right? That there's these huge waves that are crashing around. Um, but apparently, on this mid-sized lake, there are some pretty significant storms that do come up. And it all comes down to the fact that the lake itself is actually one of, the, we learned from this sermon, uh, one of the lowest lakes in the whole world. It's, it's one of the, the closest freshwater lakes. There are some uh, saltwater and alkaline lakes that are lower, uh, but as far as freshwater lakes go, this one is one of the lowest. And so therefore, it, it, it gets very warm. It has very warm temperatures, the lake itself, as well as the surrounding area. It's very temperate. But right next by is Mount Hermon that is snow capped for most of the year. Probably, I think just, I don't, I can't say all of the year, but it's a very, quite a tall mountain. Um, and when the weather patterns switch around so that it brings that cold air from the top of Mount Hermon down into the warm air of the Sea of Galilee, there are some significant winds that do, uh, that do kind of uh, uh, creep up on people. There's also a number of different valley systems that feed into uh, the Sea of Galilee. So you've got winds that are coming from all kinds of different directions. This is the Sea of Galilee. And you can see how the waves are coming from all different directions. Anybody that is ever goes out on a boat at all, you know that 
when you hit one of those, you want to hit a wave head on, right? So that you don't get broadsided. But when you've got waves coming from all different directions, you never know where that is going to hit from. Uh, that clip of the boat, that was one of the tourist boats that they, that they take out on the Sea of Galilee. And I don't know if they got caught out there in one of those storms or they went out there to, to see what it was like. But you can see how even in this little lake, there still is some pre pretty significant boat movement that happens. That's the Sea of Galilee. That's the circumstances and the situations that the disciples find themselves in here. And, and John doesn't give us a whole bunch of detail about this story, about their emotions, uh, other than to say that they were working hard, it was dark, uh, and they had only been able to row about three or four miles. Um, don't know exactly where they were. Likely they were part of the, uh, on the southern, uh, southwestern side of the Sea of Galilee and were on their way up to Capernaum. Uh, exactly how far they had to travel. The, the length of that lake, like I said, is about 13 miles. So it would be maybe, uh, 10, 8, 10, 12 miles. We don't know exactly how far they had to get, but they, they weren't making very good headway. Uh, because of this storm and and in in the other gospels uh, the the authors there give us a little bit more detail to say that they were frightened um, they were concerned for their lives uh, because this storm was tossing them around and they weren't they weren't ready for it they were getting blown around but jesus comes walking on the water what can you say about jesus walking on the water an amazing miracle. An amazing display of His divinity. Uh, there, is, there is no one, no other way that, that, that you could fake something like this, that it could be an illusion or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, there's no way that you can explain it except that Christ was able to overcome the laws of physics and get out to these people. He is the Master of the Impossible. Uh, that whatever circumstances that we might face, He is able to accomplish those things for us. Uh, but in this particular account, there's actually two impossible miracles that Jesus is accomplishing. And again, John doesn't give us a ton of detail about it, uh, but I was just as amazed about the second one as, as I am about the first one. Uh, verse 21 where it says, Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Don't know exactly how far, but it probably at least eight miles that they were trying to get. They had only made it three or four, so at least maybe halfway, not quite halfway. And yet as soon as Jesus gets into the boat, the language is that this happened immediately, forthwith, that they were able to accomplish getting to the place where they were being. Now, whether that was because Jesus got in the boat and the calm, the, the storm calmed down, which the other authors say that's what happened as soon as Jesus got in the boat, the, the storm stopped, the wind stopped, and they were able to get to their place. Um, or that, that then that Jesus was able to propel the boat in some supernatural fashion that got them to the land in, in a shorter time than what they had thought. Um, or that perhaps it just blink of an eye and all of a sudden they were there on the land. 
Uh, but here we have Jesus accomplishing another impossible task, something that the disciples had been working. They had been trying hard to roll themselves across this lake through the storm to the other side to get to this place. And, and it wasn't until Jesus got in the boat that they were able to accomplish this impossible task, this thing that had, they had been struggling with all through the night. Uh, going back to, to the screamer. Uh, one of the things that we do for those young people to get them up that pole and ready to jump off is the instructors that are there talk us through all of the safety elements that are part of this activity. Uh, they will talk about the harness, the, the, the kinds of harnesses that they use, uh, that this is the, the same kind of industrial harnesses that are used for safety all around. Uh, anybody that's doing high angle kind of a work, uh, these are the same kind of harnesses. They're completely secure. There's no way for you to slip out. Uh, whenever they do up those harnesses, one of the instructors is the one who does up the harness, and then the other instructor comes and checks it and makes sure that the first uh, uh, instructor didn't make any mistakes at all and before you get up there's one last tightening that they do just to make sure that everything's secure so the harness is secure the ropes that they use the, all of the pulleys and all of that system are are built in order to hold at least 3,000 pounds there's none of our children that are that heavy and so they explain all of the different processes. They talk about the pole, how it was actually placed by BC Hydro and is secure. It's not going to fall over. They talk about the air, aircraft grade cables that they use up the top for the trapeze that you would jump to. All of this in order to help the person, the young person, whoever is going up on this, on this event. To be able to realize that they can, even though it is a foolish thing to climb 40 feet up into the air and jump onto a trapeze, because all of these safety things are in place, you can trust that all of this will be help, will hold you up and you will be safe. In the, in the impossible tasks that we all face, It is, in many ways, humanly illogical to think that there is any remedy for broken marriages, for uh, the loss of a loved one, uh, for uh, the lost employment, for dealing with mental health issues, whatever the impossible task that's facing you. There are all kinds of reasons why you should never be able to accomplish that which sits in front of you. But Jesus is the master of the impossible. And so we don't put our trust in any of those other kinds of things, any other solutions that humanity can come up with, but instead we put our trust in the master. And the one who is able to handle whatever impossible circumstances you might be facing. That He is the one who has everything in His capability to accomplish that task in your life. So in your broken marriage, He is the one who is able to come in and transform a person's heart. 
and take away all of that baggage and, and extra things that have gotten in the way of the, between the two of you, that He is able to come and bring healing and wholeness back into that relationship where there was just separation, anger, and, and bitterness. He is able to come alongside the person that has lost a loved one to bring comfort to bring purpose, to bring meaning once again into your life. He's able to come alongside those that struggle with mental health issues. When there is anxiety that just cripples you, that keeps you from taking any risk to going outside your door, that He is the one that can, you can put your trust in to know that no matter what you face, He's got your hand. He's there carrying you through. When you are facing the, uh, the, the, the loss of a job, the uncertainty of employment, the lack of an income, He is the one who supplies all of your needs. Who is able to, whether it is through employment or through some other miraculous needs, that He will then provide all that you need in order to move forward to accomplish the things that He has called you to do. So the question is not, what is the impossible task that is in front of you right now? The question is, is Jesus in your boat? Because if Jesus is in your boat, then there is nothing impossible. There is nothing that stands in your way. There is nothing that He can't accomplish through you. Now when I, when I start talking about things like this, there's something in the back of my head that goes, yeah, but there are lots of people who had Jesus in their boat whose end did not turn out so nicely. That as soon as Jesus got in the boat, suddenly the wind died and they were all of a sudden there at the destination of wherever they needed to be. I know a lot of godly people that have gone through their entire life and never been set free from anxiety, from depression. That is a specter that they have battled throughout their entire lives. All of us know people who have suffered with sickness, with disease, with injury. And even though they were godly, uh, God-fearing, faithful followers of Christ, they eventually succumbed to their disease and passed away. I, I, know, I know godly Christian couples whose marriages end in divorce. And, and, and you think, okay, well, where's Jesus? Why, why didn't this individual, this person, why didn't I experience that immediate arrival at Capernaum, at the land where they were headed? Why do I have to suffer so long? 
I don't have a lot of easy answers in all of that. But I do know that just because the results of a circumstance and a situation don't turn out the way that we think that they should is not evidence that God is not there with you. Uh, last night with the youth, we were looking at the call of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. Um, a marvelous text and an amazing picture of God as Isaiah is there in the temple worshiping and suddenly the Lord appears to him in his throne room with the seraphim, the angels that are there, with the, the smoke of His glory filling the place and the, the train of His glory filling the entire temple. And Isaiah in that moment recognizing his own sinfulness and his sinfulness, his connection with a sinful people. Woe is me! And he's on his face. And God comes and graciously cleanses his sin, atones for his sin in that moment. So he is set free. And then God gives him this amazing call to say, who will go for us? And Isaiah is just so inspired. He says, here I am. Send me. Send me. <laughs> and then God says, here's what it's going to be like. You are going to speak to a people who have ears, but they will never hear. Uh, they have high eyes, but they will never understand so all of the preaching all of the prophecy all of these great words that i am going to put into your mouth that i'm going to call you to share with the people of israel and nations beyond nobody's going to listen it, the, the results of your ministry will be zero and isaiah goes oh how long? How long do I have to put up with never being heard, having no results for this ministry? And God says, until the entire nation is destroyed, till it is crushed and trampled under the enemy's feet, and then it is burned afterwards so that all that is left is a stump. But there's a seed in the stump. And from there will go, will grow a tree and a hope that will transform the entire globe. But everybody's got to die. Everything must be destroyed. If we in our relationship with Christ are our judging whether we are following Christ or we are judging the faithfulness of Christ based on the expectations of the results that we want, you could be setting yourself up for disappointment. But instead, if you, like Isaiah, like these disciples, put their trust in Christ, that they are excited about having Jesus in their boat because they have Jesus in the boat. 
Because they get to go through whatever the future may hold, whatever struggles, whatever uncertainties, whatever disappointments and, 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 and pain that they might experience. They get to go through that with the master of the impossible. Leading and guiding. Showing them every step of the way. Knowing that everything that they are doing is exactly right. Because this is what the master has said. And that is enough. To live every moment knowing that the, the Creator of the universe, the One who, who holds it all, who sustains it all, who, who loves it all, is walking with you. Living with you. It's enough. So I don't know what impossible tasks are facing you today. Is Jesus in your boat? Are you trusting in the Master of the impossible? to carry you through no matter what the results, no matter what the consequences, but just to be with Him through that. It's enough. Let's pray. Just with your eyes closed, I, I invite you to look at the things, the impossible tasks that are facing you. Maybe it's struggle in marriage. Maybe it's dealing with mental health. Maybe it's dealing with physical health. Maybe it's financial things. One of the things for, for me is, is I just have this passion to see Christ being proclaimed in this community. Christ being worshipped and honored in this area. That there would be many that would come to faith in Him. And, and that I would be able to, to be used as a part of that. Sometimes that just seems so big, so impossible. I don't know what the impossible task is before you, but let me give you a moment right now, just in the 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 quiet of your of this of your heart, that you would invite Christ into that impossible task. That you can walk out of here today at rest. Because the master of the impossible is in your boat and is taking care of all of those things. Would you just pray?
Maybe there are people here today who have never had Jesus in the boat. Who have never put their trust in Him. Let me invite you, if you feel that stirring in your heart that that you recognize that you need help with the impossible task that you're facing, that you would reach out to Jesus, that you would respond to His, uh, His offer of grace and forgiveness, and you would put your trust in Him and allow Him to be master of your boat. Doesn't take much. All it is is just to say, Jesus, I need your help. I can't do it on my own. I am sorry for all the times that I have fought against you. But I come to you now and I ask that you would join me, that you would be the master of my impossible. Lord, we thank You that You can be trusted. That there isn't anything that somehow ties Your hands from accomplishing Your best and our best. I pray that today, whatever burdens we have walked into this building with, we would be able to walk out being set free from worry and concern and anxiety. That we can rest in the fact that You are in control and that You are leading and guiding us. So there's nothing that we can't take on because You are in our boat. Thank You that we can have that kind of faith, that kind of certainty in our lives. Not because of who we are or anything else, except of who You are. Just as You could walk on water, You can walk us through whatever challenges, whatever burdens we might be facing here in our lives. Thank You for that. In Jesus' name. Amen.